welcome to The Millennial Divide, a podcast about navigating the millennial decade. We are three sisters bookending the generation. I'm Dimity. I've bloody taken over the show. That's Ellen's little baby, who's also not a millennial. Featuring. Not a millennial. Not a millennial I yet. What she'll be. Yeah, true. Mm. She's joining us on this journey tonight of not too navigating often. the waters without our <laughs> our very humble leader, Amy. Um, I'm Ellen. Yeah. I'm back after Yay, a little bit of a break. I have my little baby girl. Little baby girl. And girls. I'm 33. Yeah. Though I realised the other day, I was like, oh my gosh. How old am I? And I thought I'm turning 33 this year and then I thought, oh, no, I'm turning 34. Yeah. So I'm almost mid-30s. Oh, my god. Still millennial. We'll be millennial into the 80s. Yeah, you'll be millennial forever. They can't take that off you. I know. It's going to be weird with all these 80-year-olds being like, I'm the millennial (laughs) generation. (laughs) I still have it and I'm complaining about everything. Uh, I'm Selena. I am not a sister, but I'm 36 now and Ooh. also still a millennial. Ooh, well done. Everybody's yeah. made it. So this, <laughs> well done, us. <laughs> well done, us. This week we're talking about a few different, very interesting topics. Ellen is talking about her newborn yes. and the surprising impact that it has on the environment. It's deep, man. It's Hashtag. I've had a lot of time off. <laughs> Ellen's really I'm thought raring this through. to go. <laughs> and that segment will be lasting 35 minutes. <laughs> Next, I'm going to talk about pill testing. So this has been in the media recently because there's been sadly, devastatingly, a few deaths from pills, um, illicit substances over the last few months at different festivals. So we'll, we'll be talking about policies related to pill testing. Ellen will be talking about Australia Day and the controversy related to that. I will be talking about uh, my recommendation, which is a book, and it's called Boys Will Be Boys. So highbrow. I know. I didn't read it. I know. I I feel like all today is highbrow. And I didn't even listen to all of it. And, Sel, you're going to have to explain this one thoroughly because you're talking about, okay, also explain how I pronounce it twags. 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 Sounds like something else that we shouldn't say. (laughs) Yes, it does. Be careful. What is that? I'm not going to say. Swear. Do it. No. Do it. No. And (laughs) Sel, you're going to be wrapping us up with a lovely mantra, your first ever. Yeah, it's so deep, guys. You're going to love it. Got to be better than you've got a friend in me. Oh, go twag (laughs) yourself. All right, let's get this started. Ellen. Yes. Newborns. You have one. I do. How many weeks is she now? She is now five weeks oh and she's been a little God. legend. She's so as far as newborns go, pretty happy with it. Yeah, you did good. Did good. She's pretty cute. Yeah, as you jiggle her through witching hour. I know. I know. If, you, if you hear some jiggling going on, she's just getting through the witching hour. But what when we're thinking about topics this week and we're talking about what's on our mind, this has literally been on my mind this week because as I've been, you know, getting up at midnight, 4am, then 8am, 11am for nappy changes. I was looking last night at, um, I think it might have been the 7.30 report, but they were looking at um, how our recycling has gone really downhill, obviously, since China's stopped bringing in Australian recycling um, because we weren't doing a good enough job, pretty much. We weren't (laughs) separating well. Mm -hmm. And they had a family on who've got a little kid and they were saying, oh, you know, we don't use disposable nappies anymore or diapers, if you're listening in America. 
And, you know, it's so easy to go plastic free. You just have to get um, reusable nappies that you can wash and then you just need cloths that you rinse out for instead of, you know, disposable cloths. And at 4am the other morning when I was doing yet another nappy change, I was like, oh my God, I need to be, you know, more environmentally Mm. conscious. And I, you know, I try to do my bit and I, we're trying to go down to two cars and I don't get one the car, one, oh, car. Sorry, one car, one so car, one car. Down from her five, five one to one. Car. And she's getting rid of the Mercedes. Yeah. Can you believe yeah. it? It's the most fuel efficient as well. Mm-hmm. No, we're going down to one car. I don't put plastic bags with my apples when I go to the supermarket. I just have them loose, and oh. you know, I use my um, reusable bags. But I'm I'm stuck on the disposable nappies. Yeah. I just. It's it's convenient yeah. and I feel terrible saying that because I should be able to do it for the sake of the planet, I feel. Yeah, look, I have had all of these same thoughts I think as most well. mothers do yes. nowadays. I mean, and fathers. The way that I think about it now looking at your tiny baby is at least her nappies are minute, <laughs> you know, because my little one's turning two tomorrow, my smallest. Yeah. But I have the way that I think about it, and I have been saying this for so long and at like I should just do it, is you know what, even if you just do one one nappy a day yeah. that's not disposable, yeah. that's going to make a difference. If yeah. everyone did that, that would make a difference. And But then know, everyone, ha- this is my other argument, will just me make a difference? And I know that's a terrible <gasps> argument. I know. I'm not allowed to say that. I'm not allowed to say that. But there's a lot of people doing disposable nappies. Yeah, and I, look, I think that you have to give yourself just in terms of, just being kind to yourself when you've got a newborn. I really think you get a free pass on a lot of things and disposable nappies are one of them. Mm. Um, But I do think that as your kids get older, and I haven't done it and I Mm. know that I should, like those washable nappies, the the new um, reusable nappies, Mm. like they're pretty good. And, you know, you have times where you change their nappy at like four in the afternoon and you know they're going to have a bath in soon and it's like, do you know what? That's probably not even going to get weed in. Yeah. You know, definitely once you once you kind of get a grip of their bowel movements and stuff. <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's like sometimes you know it's you safe. know what's coming. You know it's safe. It's <laughs> yeah. like we're done with that. We're okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I sort of feel like maybe just even that one a day would make yeah. a difference. I mean, that's how yeah, I feel about. That's a good way of doing it. You know, actually. that yeah. sort of incremental changes. Like yeah. I can't commit to not eating meat at all because yeah. I really like meat. But environmentally, I know that that's terrible. Yeah. And I, so now I'm just, you know, for now I only eat meat for dinner. Mm. So breakfast mm. and lunch, never meat. And that, no you know, so that's sort of, <laughs> you know what, I've actually fallen off that bandwagon a little bit. <laughs> I got really low in irons. So I had to go back on, yeah. I had to go back on for a little. <laughs> but anyway, that's all under yeah. control now. New <laughs> year, new me, no more meat. But new I do think, increment, yes, I think those, just those little changes yeah. can make a difference. I think that's actually, I hadn't thought of it Especially like that. I was kind of going, oh, all or nothing. And previously I'd kind of gone, well, you know, if I'm washing it, then that's using water and, you know, my washing machine. And, you know, that's a valid point. It is, but I did some research. Oh, and oh I they did research s- too. Yeah, Low, they said, dear. yes, if you use hot water and you use a tumble dry and all of that, then it is energy equivalent. But if you use um, kind of the uh, cold water, mm. if you hang them on the line, then the difference is that the waste per infant per year in reusable nappies is three to six kilograms. That's waste. Mm-hmm. 
compared to 288 to 360 kilograms of waste. So you really can't compare. If you're going to do cold water and hang them on the line, which Mm. is how I do my washing anyway, we don't have a dryer, then it's it's actually going to be quite significant. Can I I lay some facts down? You both are bad people. (laughs) Second of all, guess how many nappies? Are thrown away each year. Millions upon um, millions. How many millions? Twelve million. Okay, well, now it just doesn't sound as impressive. It's five point six million <laughs> thrown away each year. Oh, How many birth. years? How many w- years to break down a nappy? Every, Selena? Actually, I think I know this one. Okay. Is it tr- I have heard every nappy that has ever been manufactured still exists on the planet. Okay. Again, um, it sounds <laughs> not as impressive. It's 150 <laughs> years. A hundred and fifty years. Sure. Okay. Yeah. True. True. They've true, only true. been around yeah. since what the sixties. Yeah. Okay. All our well, our mothers all would have used reuse. Oh yeah, mum. Like, mum made dad do it. Yeah. Our yep. mum made dad. He used to sit there for hours. Apparently. Yeah. Sorry, dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had four of us. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a lot of nappies. So, have you guys even considered biodegradable nappies? Actually, yes, and I use them. Okay, tell us. Um, they're really expensive. And I, they leak. You know what's expensive? The cost of your nappies mm. on our environment. I know. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, the worst environmental choice is the one I've already made to have children. <laughs> That's true. I've already so gone I've through already that. screwed it. That's true. Um, no, I do use um, biodegradable nappies at the moment, or they claim to be biodegradable. Mm. I don't mm. know how, but like it might be like, yes, they will definitely biodegrade in 150 years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, and to be truthful, the only reason I'm using them is because the other ones gave my son a rash. Oh, well, that's a good, you know, um, alternative as well, though. That's... Yeah, and they are, like, probably legitimately almost double the price no. of, of the cheap Okay, ones. so, well, this is another thing that they suggested is that you should buy, if you don't want to change up your, you know, nappy, terrible, heathen ways, you should <laughs> at least look at locally made nappies because oh. then the transportation cost oh, I like is lower. that. That's good. Okay. Oh, Little God. things. How would do you, you know what? find that out? Yeah, I don't know. There'd be a website for but it. But do you know what? So if you do buy cloth nappies, yes, little girl, <laughs> if you do buy cloth nappies, there is a big problem if you flush the wipes because apparently you can oh, yeah. flush the wipes. And I too have really um, not helped the environment lately because something happened over the weekend because I too accidentally flushed some wipes down the toilet. Oh, dear. I know. And it clogged the drain. Oh, oh no. I know. It was bad. It was you can really get flushable wipes. These were? Apparently you can oh, only flush no. them one at a time. Oh. I hope everybody's learned something from Good me. to know. I know. I know. So All right. Because anyway. I well, find it funny with the flushable wipes how they've been marketed. There's like because they're made by the same people who manufacture toilet paper. Yeah. So they're obviously like, well, hang on a second. We don't want to cannibalise our toilet paper product. <laughs> so I was just like, I don't know why I was looking at this in the supermarket once, but it's just like freshen with a wipe. And then it's just like. Oh, okay. So, like, you're trying to make us believe that both of these products are necessary at the same time. Oh, that's like, such yeah. clever marketing. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, good on you. Anyway, so really, on. you shouldn't <laughs> flush anything down the toilet except for toilet paper and all of your disgusting things. Or your bodily functions. From your, yes. from your body. Okay. So, my action is going to be, I sell, I like your idea. I'm going to try to do one a day are you? to start. I would really like to start. It's okay. really, you know what? It's so been weighing on me. And, you know, it's. Because I've got two kids now. Also, this is the time to do it. Like it's hot 
everything's yeah. on the line. Like I think yeah. in the middle it's of easy winter, to try. difficult. Yes, yes. Um, I'm going to do it too. Okay. Oh, good, good yeah. on both okay. of you. We're I'm not going to do anything week. different <laughs> because I have no <laughs> yeah. kids. Okay. And I'm here on my very high, high oh, well, perch. Period undies. That's true. We're all That's doing our part. Okay, we're all doing our parts. All right. So this is a slightly different topic, very, very different topic. Uh, We're talking about pill testing. So this is off the back of a really bad few months in terms of deaths at music festivals. It's been been awful and devastating for many families and friends who have known people who have died from an accidental overdose at festivals. So in the last uh, four months in Australia, five people have, have died from drug-related deaths at festivals. So what has been suggested is that has often been brought up when situations like this occur is that pill testing could be a good opportunity for people to be more aware of what they might be consuming when they're taking these substances. This has become a hugely contentious issue. Many politicians are weighing in on it. Our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, kind of weighed in on it and said, I'm staying out of it. So that's great. Leadership. (laughs) Wonderful. Just, yeah, sit back in the glass box. But I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on it, both of you, Mm. because, I mean, there's research, there's evidence, and there's also a lot of opinions on taking illegal substances. What do you both think about pill testing? Um, I found it interesting with the New South Wales Premier, Gladys. Oh, and I struggle with her last name. And her opinion was that they shouldn't be doing it because you need to have education, which I totally agree with. But I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think kids probably are always going to take drugs, whether Mm. you agree with that or not. And unfortunately, this is the world we have to live in and it's all very well to go, oh, you know, let's just educate them and fingers crossed. I think you've got to have a multi-pronged approach, um, which is this pill testing, I think. I think what you're referring to is that she had a quote that was really, really unfounded. It was really just false news. She said, and I quote, Unfortunately, we know that pill testing does not deal with overdoses. Pill testing does not assist when there's drugs and alcohol mixed. Pill testing does not help when one pill, which is lethal to one person and isn't lethal to another, end quote. And and it's that's just kind of incorrect information. Mm. So that's what people are really jumping on at the moment. Well, also, I think that um, I think what some people are saying is that they that pill testing could never really say, okay, this pill is safe. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think that there's and something it, in that. Because, yeah. Um, because, you know, can you ever say that, you know, an illegal drug is yeah. safe? Um, but they're doing this in Europe and mm. they've been doing it for a long time. Um, I think it's in Europe. They've definitely been doing it. It is. Time. No, it's in Europe. And, it's in a um, few different places in yeah, Europe. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, we've got case studies there. Yeah. You know, if you've got places where it is having some success, I mean, it's just so tragic that people would, you know, go and do things that young people do and then just like yeah. it's horrific. Yeah, mm. it is. And I think the latest girl was 19. Yeah. So, you know, so it hasn't even started her life yet. Mm. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school around the year 2000, there was a girl who died from mm. an ecstasy overdose mm. and it really um, prompted a lot of awareness mm. around, you know, and I think for us anyway because we were all probably, I don't know, 17 or 18, it really kind of prompted that sort of, 
if one of your friends is in trouble, mm. just call an ambulance, mm. call your parents. Like no one's going to mm. get angry. Just, mm. you know, like don't try to because I think suddenly every, like it yeah, was so, such freak a out big and, thing yeah. Um, yeah. at the time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if yeah, I think if pill testing is going to save people's lives, then really what's the harm? Mm. What do you think, Dimity? Yeah. I mean, I guess from the, there's two different perspectives and I suppose, oh, no, there's lots, I guess, <laughs> but one of them, I, I love research and I love facts and I love figures and, and consistently research from these countries such as the Netherlands, which found that, you know. Who do everything who right. Do everything. That's why I'm moving there, people. <laughs> they found that these, the pill testing did increase the amount of people or the rate of people who would consume illegal substances. So that's the first thing. And across the board, they have been shown to be a really good preventative mm-hmm. um, measure. Two in three people will not consume a pill if it's found to have uh, substance in it other than what they believe they've been taking. So it does, it prevents, mm. you know, a lot of these pills have a myriad of different things in there, rat poison, mm. um, chlorine. There's paint, paint There's hundreds of yeah. different things. And anecdotally, I suppose, is my other perspective. I've been to a number of festivals where I've seen people in a really distressing state mm. and it's really, um, it's it's really awful to witness and I'm sure it's thousands of times worse to experience. Mm. So it, if that's preventable... I guess what people are coming from is that they see it as kind of a um, permission to take them, that, oh, if we have a way to test them, then it's okay and it's legal and that's what the argument is. But I think there's a a middle ground. I don't think it's a black and white issue because people are still dying and it's still a massive problem. And people and even this New South Wales... New South Wales Premier that I can't pronounce her name either, Gladys, um, she conceded that many, many people, and I think she even said most people on a recent um, interview, most people do consume drugs. She was one of the few who didn't. Mm. So she's admitting herself that many people do experiment in this area and it just feels very um, narrow-minded and Mm. super conservative and just, yeah, an awful. Also, someone who doesn't ever like who has never dabbled in that sort of space, I think possibly just isn't maybe the best qualified to talk about Mm, whether it is or isn't going to be prevention or, or, you know, whether it's going to help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're all in agreement. Agreed. Yes. Test the pills. Test the pills. Let's write a letter. Let's get this going. All right. Twags. Fogs. Twigs. (laughs) Talk to me, Selena. It's twags, and you're gonna like it's. You're gonna die when you realise that you. I, can't I figure have it an out. inkling. Oh, can What's I guess? What's your inkling? Yeah, guess. Okay. You guess first, because I think I'm right. Okay. Okay. Um, the worst no. aggressive girl <laughs> singer. And Ooh. let's guess who it is. <laughs> no, I don't know. Those were all of the first words with each of those syllables. Incorrect. My guess is. Tennis wives and girlfriends. Oh, Correct. This happens to me that it's very obvious and straightforward and it just goes completely <laughs> over my head. Yeah, it's like I always forget whenever anyone writes SMH, I'm like, what? <laughs> City Morning my- Herald. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Always. And I'm like, no, what is it? What, what is, is it? it? Shaking my head. Oh, yeah. and TBH always gets me. To oh, yeah, be, to no, be honest. I use that, that one all the have time. To think about it. <laughs> I loved Amy's the other day. Amy messaged us all and she said, You guys, I just learned what OG meant. <laughs> I was like, Go on, Amy. She's like, Original gangster. I was like, Oh, Jesus. Just kick her out of the millennials. Honestly, <laughs> get out of here. Okay, right, my, quest- my question is twags. Do we care? Do you know what? It's 
funny you ask this because I was reading an article the other day in Stella magazine mm-hmm. and it's it was the 50 women most talked about um, in Australia and Beck Hewitt was what? one of them. What? I know. Apparently she's going to be a presenter on a new show, Hello World, and she is the wife of Leighton Hewitt, um, a very well-known and redeemed Australian. Oh, I don't know about that. She also was a home and away actress. Yes, originally. A star beforehand. a lot of her article, and look, I'm a mother, love my kids, love talking about my kids. A lot of her article, though, was about her talking about the personalities of her kids. And I thought... Is that what, you know, she was in this in the magazine with these amazing women like Tracy Spicer who's been mm. doing the Me Too campaign in Australia and trying to call out racism and, you know, all of these mm. things. And I thought, oh, is that mm. really, are we talking about that you, like, yeah. Living in so your tax I'm haven in Barbados. Yeah. In Bahamas. <laughs> Bahamas. For seven years. That right. was pretty much it. They've been living in Bahamas. She's back now. Yeah. Oh. I mean, to be fair, I would like to hear more a bit more about the Bahamas. But... <laughs> Um, I mean, my question is, Twags, do we care? Because I am down for so much crap celebrity gossip, right? I love it. Love it. Consume it like it's oxygen. Yeah. I don't care about tennis wags. In fact, I don't know if I care about wags at all anymore. Oh, that's a big call. I just feel like now we've moved on to Instagram models Mm. and all the rest of it and I just don't know if I really care that much about wags or twags. To be fair, if they were diversifying their portfolio, they would be on Instagram as well, you would hope. Most of them are, yes. You would hope. At least, at the very least. Yeah. I think that you're both filthy liars because look at you both. You both know way more about it than me. And (laughs) if we're going to compare. in this magazine. I didn't seek it out. You read it. You read the article and I know 0%. You guys are about 40, so I think that you, you both might like a little bit of the twog information, <laughs> I suspect. Twog no. just makes me think of grug. <laughs> yeah, sure. About Becky, it's probably more the interesting than twags. <laughs> Becky, it's the only one that I would even know the yeah. name of because she was well you know, I did read show. I did read an article which um my internet's not waiting so I can't bring it up um but yeah they listed all these names and I'm like yeah, yeah no I don't idea. know any of those mm. and they, very beautiful and I can people. Say, um, of course oh yeah. absolutely and you know I'm sure a lot of them have got really high-flying careers and all the rest of it and that's fine I just don't really care about a tennis is it, swag is it maybe because they just kind of fly in and fly out oh, they're not committed to <laughs> their their roles that's what it is they're half arsed. They and we're should not be about working it. harder for our approval. <laughs> yeah. Come on, give us some interviews, ladies yeah. <laughs> and gentlemen. I would love to hear from Serena Williams. Actually, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh my ladies. God, what have yeah. we done? Yeah. This is the founder tennis. of Reddit. That would be. Mm. Yeah, you know, I am interested in him. What's that? Tennis husbands and oh wait, Fabs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hus- yeah. Tennis husbands. Yeah. yeah. Fabs. 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 Yeah. I like that. Let's get into them. Okay. Fabs. That's next week's topic. Great. Okay, we're going we, we're, we're going high and, and low and high and low. We're really mixing it up because the next is Australia Day, which is a really contentious mm. issue for us at the moment. So, Ellen, Australia Day, can you take us through what this is about for our international audience who might not know yes. much about this? Just for context, the sounds in the background <laughs> is Ellen's daughter, just, for, just in case you wonder if we're just sucking close to the microphone. <laughs> not us. It's the five-week-old. <laughs> so Australia Day is being celebrated on the 26th of January in Australia. And I guess for American equivalents, it's a bit like Independence Day, probably that level. Everyone gets very into it. 
And for the last few years, it's been a bit controversial due to the fact that it's actually the date that Captain Cook landed um, in Australia. And it's been controversial for a few reasons because um, it's seen as the day of the invasion for a lot of Australia's first people, which are our Aboriginal people. And a few local councils have decided not to hold their Australian citizenship ceremonies on Australia Day. So that's primarily what it happens. You can become a citizen of Australia on Australia Day, which is quite exciting for people. But what's actually happened is that when they've decided to move it, they've now been stripped of their chance to hold these events uh, by the federal government. So the federal government's saying, no, it's Australia Day, this should be our ceremony, this has to be our day. Some local councils are saying, no, it's kind of Invasion Day, it's a bit disrespectful to be celebrating this day. And Australians on the whole um, kind of want to keep it. Mm. Has been the polls this week. Have which they? Is, I yeah, seen which them. has been interesting. It's really surprising. Oh. It's really very surprising. surprising. Yeah, and I, I guess I was just—I'm very passionate about this um, because I actually lived in a remote community for two years with a predominantly Indigenous population, and it was only after there that I really—it really hit home what Australia Day, what that day meant. Um, I lived in the community and they had um, five different skin groups living there, but four groups had moved into the traditional owner's lands because of, you know, white intervention. And, you know, to hear from someone on the land um, who has been there since the beginning doing the welcome to country and doing all of those things, it really adds that full meaning. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I both came back and we really struggle with celebrating Australia Day now. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that to sound all lefty and high and mighty and I've been there and blah, blah, but... I think once you've kind of seen the people that it affects, which mm. in Victoria we don't, I don't see really on a day-to-day basis. There's not many Aboriginal people around where I live. Um, I think it just adds the real meaning of it. Yeah. But what do you guys think? Yeah, look, personally, and I think this is, I suspect, Sal, you'll probably have a similar point of view to me as well, but I really strongly think that it should be changed as well, the yeah, date. 100%. I just think it's, I and I suppose... From a basic human kindness point of view, I hate um, anything that is is feels intentionally unkind, and this is what this it really does. Date yes, yeah. symbolizes. And I, and I just don't think that really the majority of us do. We really think about like what's the connection to the twenty sixth of January? Mm. Like it doesn't bring anything yeah. to us, but it does really injure mm. a people, a, yeah, a huge group of people who are yeah. really significant. Yeah. And I just don't understand why you wouldn't. And a part of me, and you know, I don't want to sound unkind to myself when I say this, part of me wants to change that just so we can stop having this debate. Yeah. Because every yeah, year this comes, comes up, up yeah. and yeah. it's just like I don't understand yeah. why we are still doing this. Like and I just don't get it. The Australia Day website actually says that it's a day for deeper understanding, reconciliation, and they have a whole page on, mm. um, you know, how they want to connect with Indigenous people. If it's about understanding, listen to them. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, uh, there's some voices in the Aboriginal community that are saying, no, it's okay, you know, we'll move forward. But I think the vast majority are saying, no, this this really affects us and this impacts on the way that we feel accepted and respected. And I think that that's, that's an interesting point because I do think that there's um, maybe a place for that sort of um, reflection on just 
what what that date does signify. Yes. So maybe it's not, um, you know, boxing kangaroos and everyone getting drunk in mm. Australian flag mm. paraphernalia and all the rest of it. Like maybe it is just a different kind of reflection yeah. on the 26th of January mm. and what yeah. that has meant for yeah. everyone. Because, I mean, obviously we wouldn't be here without mm. that mm. and, you know, there's a lot of great things about our country but, you know, yeah, I just... The inherent... Racism is not one of and those things. And that marked a really awful, um, you know, really awful part of, of our history. I'm interested to know, again, this is, I've had this last week as well, but I'm really genuinely fascinated to know why people don't want to change it mm. because it doesn't really make sense to me. So if anybody's out there and does not want to change the date, can you please genuinely tell me why? I'm so like, why? what's that connection that you personally have to that date? I really, really, unless it's your birthday and you quite like having a public holiday, that I could maybe understand. But yeah, because even that, the hottest 100 doesn't happen anymore no. on that day. Yeah, the Triple J Except moved that. This um, year. It oh, is it does. Like this year? Because it, it falls oh, on the last Saturday. Saturday of each month. So yeah. it's unfortunate. And that was quite controversial too because that's what a lot of millennials probably did. Mm-hmm. They sat around to listen to the top 100. Yep. Which is the um, Australia's independent music station. Yeah, on and it's the, huge. On Australia Day traditionally there's yeah. been a Hottest 100, which is the top voted for songs of the, the year. previous year. year. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's a real tradition. And last mm. year Triple J decided to not have that on mm. Australia Day. Mm. Yeah, which was, which a, was huge a huge statement yeah. and had a lot of backlash from politicians in Parliament saying, you know, Triple J really ought to change it back. And it's like, <laughs> what, do you even know what a Triple J is? Like, what? <laughs> you would never have listened to that. But anyway, everybody has an opinion on this, so it's mm. it's super interesting. So our next topic that we're talking about is a pretty big one that's just blown up in the last couple of days, which I hadn't intended because I wanted to talk about it anyway. So really, I can predict the news, which is very exciting. I am really interested uh, following... So it's based off a recommendation, this topic. I I have just read a couple of chapters of Clementine's book, Boys Will Be Boys. Uh, and I love how you, this is your... <laughs> I've read a couple of chapters and I have lots of thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> I also didn't read them. I listened to them as an audio book. But I listened to a couple of chapters and it was... It's a really interesting read and I highly recommend it. It's, as I said, written by Clementine Ford and it was released in 2018. It was off the back of her previous book, uh, Fight Like a Girl, which was released in 2016. Um, really, it, it, it discusses toxic masculinity. It discusses a man's um, role in relation to uh, the oppression of women, according to the couple of chapters that I've heard so far. And I and I'm interested to know if it continues to talk more about the damaging effects that toxic toxic masculinity has on men, which I suspect it does. Clementine, if you listen to this, I'm sorry for not having completed the book before this. Please write in and tell me what it actually says. Um, but it's really um, come to my attention even more in the last day because Gillette has actually released an ad, and this ad is. Uh, they use their tagline, the best men can be, the best a man can be. And Which used to be the best a man can get. Yes. So they've right. changed the tagline. Right. So the, this ad depicts a whole group of men and I highly recommend you watch it. It's it act, I actually got quite teary I got it. teary too. <gasps> Did you? I thought At it was just because I was so tired. Maybe no. we're both quite tired. You do have a five-way cold. I do, but no, I got teary. I got I teary. It was really lovely. It's a really beautiful message, yeah. I think. 
and it's showing the best a man can be towards women. Mm. And in light of the Me Too, hashtag Me Too movement and this many talks of gender equality that are coming up now, uh, it really highlights the the role that a man has and, and this toxic masculinity. So I I know my place as a woman, which is equal to a man, <laughs> but I am interested in a man's opinion as well. And thankfully we have a resident expert on this area, Ellen's husband, Daniel. So, Daniel, welcome to the Millennial Divide. Hello, Millennial Divide. Wow, what a pleasure. Oh, <laughs> welcome. We've been waiting for our chance to get you on here because you have lots of interesting things to say about lots of interesting topics. But this one in particular, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts. So you've watched the ad. I have. But did, do you mind if I quickly pick up on something? I found it really interesting just then that you said you're equal to a man as opposed to equal with men. Oh, what does that mean? Well, Psychoanalyze it's, me. It's like... Like we we have to reach towards men, whereas we're just inherently equal. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Wow! Well oh done, Daniel. God. So equal with a man, I am, and you're a man, correct? I am. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on on this ad? First of all, it's it's really it's really interesting because um, I remember we've we've spoken numerous times. I know Ill and I have being the person that. Seeing the people, the men that jump in and, and act in the ad, I was like, oh, isn't that sort of what, what we know? Like, isn't that what a normal man is? And it's been a really interesting thing because I work in a, in a very female-dominated industry in early childhood education. And so I guess maybe a lot of the men that I work with don't fit the typical masculine sort of profile. So for me, I've always sort of felt a little bit different to the typical man. So it was a really interesting thing because I was watching, I was like, yeah, that's brilliant that they're starting to show this profile. And I think it's a really great thing. I don't know if you read the the piece that Clementine Ford actually released in The Age today, but she spoke about with the ad, oh, but, you know, it's this sort of capitalist thing. They just want to make money off the ad. And I agree with that. But then I also thought, well, if you're getting, if they're getting some cash, but we're also getting this social change and people like these wonderful podcasts <laughs> talking. What an amazing thing. Also, we've spoken about previously that you've been a bit frustrated in the discussions about how good men haven't been kind of part of the conversation and what they can do and and looking forward, that it's all just kind of been, which it has obviously rightly been about calling out this behaviour. But that's what I think also I got out of the ad that it's about, yeah, well, where can we go for the future together? That this is about a joint movement and we can move forward from this point. Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous though that we need we need majority like men to have to start to do this. But I guess at least it's starting to happen now. But the thing too with that is, like with Hannah Gadsby when she was talking about that good men, it's not about saying I'm a good man, therefore other people aren't and drawing that line in the sands. I just think it's just, it's nice now that we're saying, no, this is, we expect this of everyone and I can't sit here and say that I'm just a good man because, you know, I get to benefit from the system that's already set in place for me. Like I have so much privilege, it's amazing. So the role is then to keep challenging when people forget that and just to make sure that anyone regardless, you know, remembering that we do still have long ways to go, particularly a lot of men, but making sure that, yeah, like you just said, Elle, that we're giving those opportunities for them to see what we all expect and what you can easily do. It's not hard. You just need to do little actions. 
And that's why I married you. (laughs) I'm really interested in this, Dan, and I want to hear your perspective because it seems with this argument what it often comes back to is a criticism of women um, toting this agenda of men behaving better in order to get the women's agenda pushed forward or, or brought to attention. But I don't see this focus as that... It is partly that, but also my main, what I've got out of it is that it is really attempting to support men and ha- and allow men to have more of an opportunity to not be confined by the expectations set by society's expectations of men, such as related to emotions and not being able to express yourself and certain stereotypes and expectations that men have. And so what, what do you think about that. It, it reminds me of what I used to do in all the, the classrooms when I was working with all the different kids that I taught. Mm-hmm. And if I expect one thing of one person, like a, a boy or a girl, I expect it of everyone. So for me, the, the thing is, it sounds like we're starting to talk about those common values, but then saying, well, if we expect it of one person, we do expect it of others, regardless of gender. So in, in some ways, you know, we often talk about just don't be a dick. Like, <laughs> we expect everyone to do the same thing. So I don't think it's about, like I agree with you, Dim, with, it's not a, the, these men who say, oh, they're just trying to push a woman's agenda. No, we're trying to push just equality of all um, and making sure that, yes, sometimes we have to talk about things to make sure that women are being supported or minorities being supported because they're the ones who are underrepresented. Mm. I think even more than that, though, what I'm saying is that men in in currently men aren't, there's an expectation that men aren't able to express emotions and feelings, which has caused an enormous rate of suicide for young adolescent mm. males. It's the leading cause of death, I believe, mm. for men. And it's it's a hugely, um, I think, and I'm not a man, that it seems to be a huge problem that men are expected to fulfil these um, stereotypes of what a man is expected to be. So I feel like this movement could surely only benefit men in that way as well by giving them an opportunity not to just fit into this one narrow niche little box of what a man is expected to be. So the thing the thing that all men are really good at, sorry, I shouldn't say all men, the thing that from from my experience, we're putting on masks. Um, like I did it, I, I still sometimes do it depending on certain friends. I don't do it as often anymore because I'm much more secure with who I am. But I remember all the times, like, you'd even have slight accent changes depending on the people I used to catch up with or, like, you put on this whole bravado and as I've gotten older, yeah, you start to feel more comfortable with who you are um, and you don't need to do that. So the the biggest thing, like, with that, that bracket of, I think it's, like, 14 to 17-year-olds or 14 to 25-year-olds with regards to suicide is huge and it's definitely to do with being so scared of being who you are and, like you just said, you do, there's a real pressure to not speak up and there's a real pressure not to speak. I was incredibly lucky. I had a life-changing experience with my dad. He took me through this sort of like pathways to manhood and it's about rights of initiation. And his whole thing was he never had his dad say to him that he loved him. So my mm-hmm. dad's whole thing, he spent three days building up the awkward tension and then we're in this like stuck in this blizzard in this tent and he starts going, oh, well, you know, Dan, I, um, uh, you know, like I, I, I love you. And, an amazing thing, but I'm really lucky because a lot of people don't get that access. And uh, yeah, it's something that I really feel is we need to start reducing those masks and we need to stop having to pretend about there's a certain way to be a man. And 
it's definitely an issue. Mm. At this point, can I just um, plug something that I came across the other day that really sort of speaks to this? It's called Tomorrow Man. I don't know if you've heard about it no. at all, but it's a group in, um, they're in Melbourne. I don't know if they're in other parts. Um, of Australia, but um, they ha- do workshops on reinventing masculinity. Oh, so it is wow. all about they do workshops with, I think, like football clubs and sporting groups and all the rest of it, and it's about disrupting stereotypes and strengthening emotional muscle. Mm. So it's really about kind of breaking down those stereotypes mm. to help, I guess, men identify that there's other ways to be male um, and masculine yeah. and all the rest of it that's – Sort of. And I think by doing this, we're not only helping our boys, we're also helping our girls and our future women. Yeah. And, you know, we don't need another Me Too movement then. Hopefully mm. this will, you know. Just by, the one's enough. Just the <laughs> one's enough, yes. And then we've fixed the problems forever, <laughs> right? Um, no, I know when I, I was writing some pieces about my experience of when I first became a dad, and the thing I found crazy was the number of emails and phone calls I started getting from old friends and friends of friends who were saying, oh, it's it's so interesting that you're willing to share this. They're like, oh, I think if I haven't ever said that. And I was like, oh, mm. okay, being into something there. So I even found just sharing how you feel about uh, about yourself as a dad that they were so scared to do that, mm-hmm. I found is a real interesting thing. Mm. Well, hopefully this ad... And everything else that's coming with it will help that us adds have a bit real discussion. <laughs> One question that I was wondering about, like, Elle, you picked up on it with the, the best a man can be. Is that, is that, I don't know, is that sort of... Or is it just, yeah, mate, is that just the the medium a man can be and, you know, it's just the basic kind of expectation? It probably doesn't go with the jingle like it. I was just thinking that, like, let's not complicate things. They were like the the almost like pretty just fine guy that <laughs> a, a the average, yeah, <laughs> the average a man can be. Oh well, thank you so much, Dan. That was great to have you on the show and to get your ideas on that because I know that you think very deeply about these things. My pleasure, guys. I hope it made sense in some sort of way. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and finally, a mantra. Take it away, Sal. I'm sure it's deep. I'm sure it's moving. I think it's probably emotional, I would say. I think it probably makes us think and pause. It's really going to give everyone a lot of pause for reflection. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Tell us. Um, We're all really tired and emotional. And the lights are off to keep the baby asleep. (laughs) So it feels a bit like a meditation day. It's also just... Flat out, not really a mantra. It's just a saying. And oh, I was, there's a grey area. Look, well, there's yeah, definitely great, great. a grey area. Great. Well, I was talking to my husband about it. My husband is, um, he's a reformed wanker. When he was young and he was all, you know, Mr. Thinking he's all cool and travelling and like super woke and, you know, all that kind of stuff. He was like, oh, there was this quote that I used to say was like my favourite quote. And I'm like, of course, because you were someone who used to talk about the fact that you had a favourite quote. <laughs> but it's an Oscar, it's from Oscar Wilde. So oh, obviously. Starting well. Yeah, yeah. So silly, fun. You can unpack it. I don't think you should. <laughs> the quote is, it's absurd to divide people into good and bad. People are either charming or tedious. Ooh, charming or tedious. I just liked it. I think I fall into the tedious sometimes. Oh, Eleanor. (laughs) I like the idea. Charming. I like the idea that good people can be tedious and bad people can be charming. And there's a lot of grey with people. Obviously there are people who are just flat out bad. Yeah, we get that, okay? (laughs) So we're not going to unpack this too deeply, but I just like the idea that there's just a lot of grey with people. There's good and bad. 
There's charming and tedious. I love that. And I like the idea of categorising people into that way because immediately I started thinking about who I would categorise (laughs) as charming and tedious because there are some people where it's just like, yeah, you're a bit of a pain, but you're really charming and yeah, I kind of like being just, around you. Or you're you, really you know? virtuous, but you're kind of tedious. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, let's you silently judge while you have a conversation. That really gets the <laughs> passes the time. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Selena. I think that's a really good addition. And thanks. thank you, Selena's thanks. husband. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Well, that's it. We did it. We got through with the five-week-old. Oh, my God. It was a close call at one point. But she pulled it together. Thank you very much, Ellen's baby. You have been listening to The Millennial Divide. We are three, well, two sisters and a very close almost sister. Mm -hmm. If you've liked what you've heard, please let us know. You can email us or send us a message on our socials. You can subscribe in iTunes. That's always a great idea. And while you're there, might as well just give us a sneaky five-star rating. I would do it. Yeah, a little cheeky fiver. Yeah, a little cheeky fiver. You can uh, review us, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Um, We're at the Millennial Divide on all of our socials. Have I missed anything? Two L's, two N's. Yeah. Keep your spelling Oh, it's hard. Do you know what? Legend. Knowing the two L's who ends, that has helped that me. Has it's re- it's when... changed my life. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.